Welcome to Become an Idol. I'm Dr. Robin Sargent, owner of Idol Courses. This is the place where newbies come to learn and veterans share their knowledge. Hey there, I just want to pop in here and let you know that unfortunately, uh, there is some quality issues with the recording that we did with Barbara Taylor, but this is such a good episode and it is worth listening to, but please forgive any of those sound errors that you might find on her end of the interview, but enjoy. And I wanted to give that disclaimer. I have here with me today, Barbara Taylor, and Barbara Taylor is actually from cohort three, and that was January, 2020. And now here we are, October, 2022, and she is here to share her idol success story. And so Barbara, you have to tell us your background and do a better job of introducing yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much, Robin, for that great introduction. So do you want me to tell a little bit about my career progress through my work experience? And where I'm at today, like, how would you like that best position? I'd love to hear the background before you ever found the Idle Courses Academy. Just kind of like, what were you doing? What led you to instructional design? That kind of thing. Awesome. Okay, great. That sounds good. So early on in my career, I've always found that I've had a passion for learning and development, whatever capacity that is, whether it's providing a resource to someone or connecting someone with the right training and have really had people kind of lean into me for support in that area. Barbara, you're always so resourceful. Can you help us find out how to do this? Or how can we do do something a little bit better? And I had started a job several years ago and found that I was lacking some of the basic training items that I needed to be set up for success. So as I progressed in my position, I started to develop some of those tools. I didn't know how to call in sick. As simple as that, right? How do I how do I do that? Who do I call? What do I need to know? And realized very quickly, boy, I can really find this opportunity to add value. I've always had a passion for learning and development. And in doing so, I went back to pursue my formal education. I got my master's degree in training and performance improvement with an emphasis on education. And along in conjunction with that, I was able to become the master trainer on my previous team. So I informally developed, right, with not the expertise probably that I needed to be super successful, but I think just instinctively knew some of the items that were missing and how could I improve for the new team members joining. And one of my peers had introduced me to idols. It was brand new, hot on the scene. I'm like, boy, I need to check this out. Again, it was early on, cohort three. And in doing my research, I found, wow, you know what? Robin has the chops, right? I mean, truly a professional. She has the expertise, able to fill in the gaps that I was missing through that formal education. So how do I really lift what you're providing and put it into the workplace and to make it be fast and effective and not to be so hard on myself. It's okay to be messy when you do it, right? You don't have to, nothing has to be absolutely perfect. And in doing so, it progressed my career. I ended up before the pandemic hit being the lead trainer 
my team and then moved into a leadership role with another team within my company. I stepped away a little bit from the training piece of it, but still continued, again, never behind in idols, continued on to lead that team, but still having that training integrated into the day-to-day. So within my pod, I was responsible for training all the new recruiters coming in, able to give them the tools that they needed through developing those things. And again, using it in conjunction with idols. So I had that on the job, really, hey, I need to create this, this infographic or job aid. I was able to use idols to develop that, to source the crowd, to get feedback from all of you, which has been absolutely tremendous and such a benefit in order to get the highest quality product out there. And then very recently, I accepted the role of training manager for a team of 180 recruiters. And I'm absolutely thrilled to jump in with both feet and get started. Oh my gosh. So that, I mean, that is an incredible story. I just love how you even stayed in your in your same company and c- completely just transform your role. You didn't have to go and apply and go through interviews. Mm-hmm. They really were just able to watch your growth right before their eyes and say, oh, we need to make a new Absolutely. And you know, that's what I love. Nothing's impossible. So I think, you know, when you know where your passion is and where your talent lies, you can begin to create your own position within the company you currently work in. Okay. So we have to know more about your journey because I just think it's so fascinating. And I just love hearing that you, that the never left behind really worked for you because sometimes you think, well, if they're never going to be left behind, are they ever going to finish? And when I hear your stories and other people's stories, like they do eventually, like so many people do finish whenever it works for them. And so what did, okay, so you enrolled in January, 2020, and then what kind of happened? Like, did you come back to it? Did you slowly build? Did you take a long hiatus? How did that work? Yeah, it was, you know, it was a little bit of all of the above. I think it was a combination. So, you know, I started out strong and I'm very much a perfectionist. And that's one of the things that really resonated with me. It's okay to do it messy. It doesn't need to be absolutely perfect for you to move forward. And I think initially that was one of my obstacles. I had to be I had to get to a space that I was okay with that. I had to accept that and know that it was okay. And you know what? I did it and it was okay. And it worked for me. So again, I don't think I had as compelling a reason from a work perspective. You know, I was happy with my position, doing what I love to do. It was more complimenting the work that I was doing. But then as these opportunities became available to move into that professional manager of training role, I knew that I had to be more serious and to really assert myself with the IDOS Academy and get the things that I needed to be successful. So, oh, so, so, so it was all of the above. It was just kind of, yeah. you know, as needed, you just log mm-hmm. in. Did you ever create a portfolio? I have kind of a portfolio. So this is where this is one of the one of the opportunities I think I have to better understand and maybe helpful for others that could be in a similar situation. So the work that I'm doing for the company that I am with is proprietary information. How do I showcase 
those items that I've spent so much time developing in a way that's not impeding the proprietary rights of the company? Or do I just to create additional items that correlate? Is that a question for me or is that the question you asked? It is. It is a question I ask myself. And again, I think being able to take the time. So I have some items in my portfolio, but again, it's not populated with all of my examples. So really it was an internal portfolio, right? Because Mm -hmm. you got, you got a new role in your same company, you were essentially creating an internal portfolio of material that you had already created for the company. So they were seeing your work and that's the whole point of portfolio anyway. Absolutely. So I do have a portfolio. It's not publicly shared. Yeah, that makes sense. I was just curious, you know, because there's so many that everybody's journey seems to be different. And I would imagine um, yours seems different from others as well. So I was just curious. And it's cool because one of the things that I think was a selling point for them, because I did have to, we have a group of senior managers on the team. There's about seven of them that had to make the decision out of several of us that were interested in the opportunity for the training manager position. Um, And I think one of the things that I was able to provide them was that portfolio. So they had examples of the work that I could do and was able to really showcase where my strengths were. And I think that definitely in their decision making. Oh, so there was a little bit of competition. Oh, yeah. There was a little bit of competition. Oh, because the way you told me the story, I was just imagining there's like, they just, you know, knighted you and and gave you this role, but they're like, no, you have to apply. Yeah, we had to go through, we had to go through an exercise to get there. The initial role I had with the company at my previous team, I I was crowned in that role. So they're like, no, my God, you're amazing. And this is what we want you to do and keep doing what you're doing. In the new position, Again, because it's a larger team, a little bit more competitive, right? And the pandemic, I think, has changed the face of how we operate as a team, giving everybody fair and equal opportunities at positions. It definitely, definitely was a rigorous process. So you're, so you're a training manager for all these recruiters, like 150, I think you said, Barbara? That's and correct. So do you have anybody that works with you to build this training or are you on your own? Right now I'm on my own, but they have given me the autonomy as I need additional team members, I'm able to acquire them. So if I need right somebody that's that is an expert in a particular area, I'll be able to hire my own crew. So I'm super excited about that as well. Oh, that is that is pretty exciting. And is there uh, another learning and development department in your company or did they just kind of just now yeah. yeah, you know what? It's it's because it's it's a Fortune 100 company. There are several segments and they all have different training divisions, but they don't have offshoots of those divisions. So somebody that has the true knowledge and expertise to be able to stand up training. Prior to pandemic, our team was about 45 people and now we're that 150 plus. So the rate at which we've grown and the culture of the company being able to transfer that knowledge has definitely been an opportunity. And I know one of the things that's really frustrating in corporate, training is always on the chopping block, right? When things get tough, training's got to go. When, you know, got to pull in our belts. Yeah, we can, we can hold on training. And we've been able to tell that compelling story of why it's so important and so critical that we have training in place that's specific to the location that I'm working at. 
Oh my gosh, this is this is so incredible. So what were some of the things as you were going through your journey to be land your current role? What were some of the things that were really important to you that you that you learned along the way? Was there any like aha moments or anything like that? Oh, hundreds of them. <laughs> so you have to address all the different learning styles. You can't focus on just one learning style. And that really becomes complex when you have people that are working remotely. They're virtual. They need the tools that they need to be set up for success. And that can't always be in a face-to-face, right? So what other ways can we give them those tools to be set up for success? And what kinds of things have you had to build? Did you build e-learning and webinars or what kind of places? Have you, you yep, absolutely. So definitely e-learning. We are revamping the learning management system to make sure it accurate, timely, effective, and up-to-date. I think that's one of the biggest challenges. And just that base onboarding from as simple as day one, you start with the company. This is what your training plan is going to look like, the 30, 60, 90 day. Do we partner them up with a mentor? Do they have a buddy recruiter that's going to help guide them through? What resources are we going to provide? So my leaders, the folks that I report to definitely are not subject matter experts in training and development and learning and development. So this is um, an education for them as well in the process. So not only being able to get the tools I need to be set up for success for the team, but also to educate those leaders why what we need to do is important, how we need to think about it. They're like, oh yeah, we'll do a learning meeting. You can start that next week, right? It's like, no. So we need to talk, right? We need to talk about this and really understand what is it exactly you want the team, what their vision of the team is going to be, and how do we back into that for them? So what were some of the things that you did? And I think this would be interesting to other people who kind of are in other roles in their companies, but would love to kind of move to the learning and development um, side of the business. Yeah. What were some of the things that you did? Did you just take on projects? like just out of your own initiative or, and I know that you kind of hinted to some yeah. of the, you're so resourceful, Barbara, like help us, teach us these kinds of things. So were there anything that you did almost on purpose or? I did. Yes. Everything was intentional for sure. Yeah. I, knew, I knew like it fills my cup. They, my coworkers laugh at me because I'm like, my hobby is learning, like learning and development. I just, I am so passionate. I'll teach anybody anything, right? I make, I make my grandson at home just for fun, right? Being able to do that. But, you know, intentionally becoming involved with the onboarding team. So, hey, you know what? I want to be on the training team. I would love to be able to start there. And that's where it started for me and kind of evolved from there. It's like, oh, we're doing it this way. I have this great idea. Could we try this to see if it's going to work, right? And just slowly planted the seeds, of what might be effective, how can we do it better, and get, getting everybody there more as a consultant, I guess. Yeah. More so than a, hey, this is what we need to do, offering the solves for certain gaps, and then having the team recognize, hey, you know what? She was right, and I think we need to tap into her again. So those projects kept coming, and just one built upon the next, upon the next, and next thing you knew, it's like, we're giving you this position that we've never had before, but we, based on what you've been able to do. How did you balance the role of being a director for all these recruiters and also volunteering your time for the L&D department for that onboarding project? How'd you, 
How do you balance those things? Yeah, absolutely. So I was very fortunate. It was integrated as part of my position. So it was very seamless in that regard. Oh, okay. And so you had to go through the interview process. You did go through an interview process and you want to just kind of share what that was like just to go through an internal interview process. For- oh, yeah, absolutely. So, so one, you know, talking with my manager, does this make sense? Are you the right person? Talk, let's talk a little bit about what your career goals are. So having a clear vision of what you want your future to be, I think it's going to be so important, but not to speak about that. At the time that you're going to apply for a position, you need to plant those seeds very early on. So your manager knows right away from the get-go, man, I have a passion for training. And if those opportunities became available, any projects, hey, I am I am your person. Please pick me to be considered for those opportunities. But had to go through, filled out the application for the internal process and met with the recruiter initially. And she did a preliminary me to say, hey, you know, what is it about this position that that's appealing? And why do you think you'd be the right person for the for the opportunity? And shared a little bit about my educational background, talked a lot about idols and felt that I could really make a difference on the team. Next step was a meeting with two of the senior managers. I had an opportunity to chat with them and they threw like, hey, when you look at our overall training and how we approach it, what are the first things that come to mind? What would you look be different and what are the first things you're going to tackle? Well, you're in recruitment. So obviously anything compromises from litigation, right? Is it a legal issue that we need to solve? And does the team have the resources they need to be able to efficiently perform their job? I don't need to be digging through a learning management system and I'm unable to find the tools that I need to be able to do my job, right? So it has to be that balance as well. And then understanding our director is new to the company or not new to the company, but new to her role, but finding out what her vision is. What does she want the team to look like, right? Do we need to throw out training and start over in certain regards? Do we need to revamp and, you know, resuscitate anything and how we're going to approach it and what that training is going to look like for that? After I met with those senior managers, that's when I was able to introduce my portfolio to them and say, hey, look at all the amazing stuff I did. And I did a proposal of, you know, the things that I would do if I were selected for the opportunity. So I had a little 15 slide PowerPoint presentation to say, hey, this is kind of so they could understand how my vision looked and how I would implement those changes. So, you know, it's picking those simple things first, what we could do quickly, the low hanging fruit, as they like to call it. And then what do we need to spend more time on to get the team where they need to be? And then ended up meeting with the director. It ended up being between three of us that they had narrowed it down to. It took about seven weeks before they decided, which was absolutely killing me. It's like somebody just needs to tell me like what's happening. And when they did offer me the position, they said, hands down, with a combination of idols, with my education and my passion for learning and development, they said absolutely a no-brainer when they had to make their decision. And I was absolutely thrilled. Well, that was that was going to be one of the things I asked for. We're like, what was their feedback when they hired you? I mean, they already yeah. like, it was, we didn't yeah. really have that long. They were like, you were the only one that had a portfolio and a proposal. So 
the the proposal was like next level. That's what a director of training, that's how they show up to an interview. I guess you're, you're a manager. Yeah. Manager. That's that's how they, that's how you get that role. And I think that's such an important thing that you took the initiative, you created the proposal, you showed up like the boss that they were going to hire you to be. And I, of course, that's, I mean, that impresses anybody, right? To just know that you're going to be able to place somebody in a role and they're going to hit the ground running. And that's exactly what you demonstrated for them. Absolutely. Oh yeah. my gosh, Bar! What what an incredible story! What do you think are your biggest takeaways that you'd like to share with those that are listening? Mm-hmm. As far as like, yeah, like your biggest takeaways and maybe your little your pep talk. I mean, your journey took yeah. I mean, your full journey for the you know the permanent role that you're in right now took you a couple of years. So, what would you what would you tell people? Yeah, absolutely. To never give up and know that in life you're never behind. Right. So not only that's that's a phrase that definitely or a quote, I guess, that has never left me. You're never behind. And it's okay if it takes time. Anything that's worth it is going to take time. You've enrolled in idols for a reason. You have a passion for learning and development and never lose sight of that passion. You'll get there. And it might be in the simplest ways. Maybe it's volunteering for a project at work. Maybe it's volunteering at a school for your kids or a nonprofit. I know one of the things that you shared and do it messy, find that, you know, find that nonprofit to be able to help and to be able to create for. And it's so rewarding from a personal, but also what you're able to give back to the community as well, knowing if you are effective, how incredible that feels when you're able to do that for somebody else. But never give up. If it takes two years, five years, it's okay. Oh my gosh. The persistence and belief and just love of learning that you have, Barbara, is just like giving me all the feels today. I just love that you came and shared your story. And I I just am so happy for you. So congratulations. Uh, Thanks so much. I am am thrilled to be part of the part of the idols community. Yeah. And the mug club. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. I can't wait to read it. Thank you again, Barbara. Appreciate you. Alrighty. Thanks, Robin. Take care. Thank you so much for listening. You can find the show notes for this episode at idlecourses.com. If you like this podcast and you want to become an instructional designer and online learning developer, join me in the Idle Courses Academy where you'll learn to build all the assets you need to land your first instructional design job, early access to this podcast, tutorials for how to use the e-learning authoring tools, templates for everything course building, and paid instructional design experience opportunities. Go to idlecourses.com forward slash academy and enroll or get on the wait list. Now get out there and build transcendent courses.